I didn't much like The Last Jedi, and I rather loved The Rise of Skywalker, which puts me at odds with a lot of Star Wars fans, including my guest today. Paul Kreider is an editor at Liberal Currents, with interests in political philosophy and social justice, as well as Star Wars. He lives with his family in Silicon Valley and daylights as a semiconductor engineer. On today's episode, we discuss all things a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, including our assessments of the new films, Disney's stumbles with the franchise, and the evolving politics of Star Wars. And as always, if you enjoy this show, please take a moment to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Now, on to our discussion. With the original trilogy of trilogies now wrapped up, and Rebels at an end, the Clone Wars at an end, Star Wars feels like it's maybe in a little bit of a holding pattern while they figure out what the next big thing looks like, except for maybe Mandalorian. But given, given where we are now, that we've wrapped up so many big things... Are you happy with the current state of Star Wars? Oh, gosh. Um, it's such a strange question because I was disappointed in The Rise of Skywalker, but I'm not, but I'm still excited about The High Republic. Um, I'm still excited about The Mandalorian. Uh, the conclusion of The Clone Wars show happened after uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, and I was really happy with that. So, I guess I am uh, at a local nadir in terms of my, my feelings about Star Wars, but I'm not hopeless. I'm still excited about the future. Let's plunge in then to, I think, I think Rise of Skywalker, because my guess is that our feelings about the state of the franchise will hinge a bit on our assessment of that. And I think you and I have a very different assessment yeah. of that movie and the ones that came before. Um, what I, I take it you weren't satisfied with that movie, maybe as as a movie and potentially also as a conclusion to the the story arc set out in the nine films. What didn't you like about it, or where do you think it went wrong, or how do you think it could have been better? So the reintroduction of of Darth Sidious, of Emperor Palpatine, as the ultimate villain, I thought was uh, sort of cheap. And I thought that it betrayed a lot of the more complex uh, political storytelling of Star Wars, of, of the rest of the, the trilogy of trilogies, up to The Last Jedi, so like right before uh, the, the Rise of Skywalker. Um I thought that instead of like a really complex political story, like you get in the prequels, and I know everyone hates the prequels for the acting and the romance and stuff like that, but I think most people think, like the, most people agree that the politics was really interesting, like the way that Darth Sidious uh, played both sides, the way that he uh, kind of you know groomed Anakin Skywalker from the very beginning, and the way that he exploited. Um, political dysfunction that was already there, both in the Republic and in uh, the Jedi Order itself. Um, so I thought that um, I thought that, that was really well done in the prequels, and then in the original trilogy, I I think it's kind of more of a classic story. But the prequels came afterward, and it was, it was sort of like 
like riffing on that and making the story more complex. And I think with uh, The Last Jedi, what we were getting was um, social justice themes that have always been present in Star Wars. So like, you know, Return of the Jedi was, uh, you know, people talk about how it was about Vietnam and all of that. Um, you know, opposing the the evil empire with the indigenous forces and all this stuff. Um, but then there are also like complex uh, ideas about like droid rights, like are the droids, uh, you know, persons. Um, and then there's slavery in the galaxy. You know, the Wookiees are enslaved, et cetera. So there's all of this, this oppression and, and domination in Star Wars. And that was talked about in an explicit way in The Last Jedi. And I thought that without that, with like Snoke died, right, in The in the Last Jedi. And I thought that we were going to, to get some kind of crescendo or some kind of like Hegelian synthesis of, of like now, uh, now that the kind of the traditional big evil villain has been vanquished, um, and there's still like evil in the universe, like something has to be done internally. Like society has to uh, grapple with its inner demons and, and, you know, destroy slavery and, and droid oppression, et cetera, before like we're ever going to actually have some kind of society that is worth living in. If that makes any kind of sense, but then it, the rise of Skywalker gives you another Manichaean bad guy. It's interesting you say that because I think that was the that move was the thing that I liked most about Rise of Skywalker, the the move of making it be Palpatine all along. In part, in part because I see the the trilogy of trilogies as a single as a single story, and mm-hmm. it's been a single story with, and what bringing Palpatine back in means that it's in a single story with a single antagonist. For the entire thing. And and so part of yeah. me says, like, if you were reading, if you're reading a really long novel, and then in the final, you know, couple of chapters, we we kill off, like, we just suddenly shift to an entirely new villain is introduced. Um, and you'd think like it's there's something something's gone wrong with the structural storytelling there, that your antagonist should be the arc throughout. And and the protagonists, we get different ones, but it's this it's this arc of Skywalkers versus Palpatines is is the nine movie storyline. And and so bringing him back and saying he's been the one behind this all along. And so what we get is the prequels are the rise of Palpatine and the fall of the Jedi. The original trilogy is this scrappy band of people taking back the galaxy. So it's it's Palpatine's defeat as a political force. We've we've ended the empire and then the new ones are the final confrontation to take him down as a you know as a potent force in and of himself. Yeah. And and so I found it I found it satisfying in that way and I think that that had it had it moved in a different direction the final movie would have felt more like a coda than a conclusion. Like the thing that you're describing feels more like a coda to me than a conclusion to a single story arc. Yeah, I can see that. And one way that I would have uh, maybe appreciated it more is if um, it weren't Darth Sidious himself, but some kind of, some kind of uh, clone. And I, and I know 
it, like he kind of was a clone, but uh, maybe like a different personality, some some like last minute uh, gambit or last minute kind of uh, reserve of of Darth Sidious, uh, like a last minute plan that he had that was only then like coming into fruition much later on. Like I do like the idea that he just was, you know, kind of stockpiling all of this machinery of war um, at the in the outskirts of the galaxy, like even during the original trilogy, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I think that was my. So when I say I liked when I I liked the conclusion to the trilogy of trilogies, it's it doesn't mean that I think that especially the final trilogy was handled well. Um, and like one of the I guess one of the things that's most baffling to me about what Disney did with Star Wars was compare it to what they did with Marvel, where they clearly mm. planned out. They said we are going to have a multi billion dollar franchise that's going to be over in this case, many, many movies, and we are going to map out the entire thing. And you can tell, you know, when the, when Endgame finishes that this was, they, they knew where they were going from day one with this. And they yes, had, they brought I in agree. different directors and different writers, but all of them were kind of told where to go. And it is astonishing that, that Disney appears to have totally not done that with the new trilogy. And and it, you can yeah. and so you can tell like that they didn't know they the jump from Abrams um, to Last Jedi that the storytelling there's discontinuities there and then there's obviously discontinuities that pick up between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker and and so I can I can look at it and say even though I liked the overall arc of the story. Um, had they planned it out better, it could have been handled significantly better. And there are a huge number of problems that are a result of that, that a lot of stuff like Palpatine's return is not set up at all in the prior two movies in any meaningful way. So it feels like it's completely out of left field. And there is a storytelling mistake. Or, Or the fact that the plot that is set out in um in the force awakens and then resolved in rise of Skywalker doesn't feel like that plot is actually advanced in the last Jedi, that the last Jedi is doing something different. Um, and in fact, I think you can, you can mostly drop the last Jedi out and watch just the first and third movie. And the story still mostly makes sense, which seems like a storytelling problem. So I think that's, that's my real concern is like, just how the hell Disney managed to screw this up. Yeah. And I mean, I think we agree on this. Like my preferred conclusion to the story um, could have been an option. And and the way that the story actually ended that you like could have been an option as well. Or it was, it was the option that was chosen. But either way that you went, like it should have been coherent. And there's there are incoherencies, I think, um, is what you're saying. But yeah, um, although I, I thought of this this thing... morning as I was looking at our notes. No, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, I was just going to jump into uh, talking about something that I really liked about the the Rise of Skywalker, but you can continue with that. Sure. No, I just I just had a little aside that one thing I realized this morning as I was putting together the notes for this was the the much maligned Starkiller base in The Force Awakens makes a lot more sense once you realize that it's Palpatine orchestrating everything because he's already tried to build the Death Star twice 
And so it's if he's this obsessive dude, he might just kind of go back to that same well. So I think it still is a silly plot contrivance in The Force Awakens, but at least like there seems to be slightly more motivation behind it if it's Palpatine versus just some other rando out there. That's true, yeah. But I guess continue with the thing you were going to say before I cut you off. Yeah, so um, I thought that uh, something that Star Wars has always hinted at, and they've been you know a little bit more and less explicit in different areas, but there's this whole idea of like a gray path or a gray Jedi. And um, I thought that they finally kind of did that in uh, kind of a really satisfying way with Ray. So I was originally happy with the, the Ray nobody, like Ray comes from nowhere, comes from nobody special. I think that's kind of really democratic and all of that stuff. But um, uh, the Rise of Skywalker ultimately sold me on on her being a Palpatine. I ended up liking that a lot. Um, and you see the darkness within her. And I think that you think of a great Jedi maybe as like a Jedi that uses force lightning or something like that. But it doesn't have to be that way. One, one way to be a great Jedi is to just embrace all of the passions. And that's what Rey does. Ray, if you notice in Rise of Skywalker, every time she fights, she's pissed off. Like there's no like kind of stoic mm-hmm. calmness about her at all. She is like, she's like Luke Skywalker just wailing on Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. Only she's like that for every fight all the time. And I love it. And I fell in love with the Rise of Skywalker, whatever my other concerns about it. I fell in love with it when she, uh, force lightning that that shuttle out of the sky um so i i do like that and she never gives into hatred and i think that's what keeps her from going to the dark side but the fact that she does everything for love and that she feels anger and uses that anger and uses that love um i think is a is a satisfying way of being gray and i think it too i I mean i like that a lot. And I hadn't, I guess I hadn't noticed, yeah, the, the anger and the fighting, but that's a cool point. Um, and it does also seem to tie into the way that this ends up turning to some extent Star Wars, the the you know, trilogy of trilogies, into a critique of the Jedi Order much more than it was before we got these. That we get we get some of that in the prequels of the Jedi, you know don't seem to be paying a lot of attention and let let Palpatine rise and take over without them doing much about it and the kind of decadence of the old republic but but her her rejection of Luke's ways and Palpatine's ways and the establishment of Rey does ultimately seem to say like there's like there's the Jedi weren't the heroes we always thought they were um, and so I'm I'm glad that the movie didn't end with a reestablishment of the Jedi Order. Yeah, I and I like the idea that Ray rebuilds the Order, and it's you you get all of the hints that oh gosh, um, what's his name Finn? You get all of the hints that Finn can can feel the Force, and that uh, he's going to be her first uh, you know protege. And I I think it's really exciting to think about moving forward uh, the ideas of of uh, what a new Jedi order looks like under Ray under these, these very different philosophies. Yeah. I think, I mean, it does, it does open things up and I'm, 
I guess I'm hopeful that they continue the story forward or that we get more of it. Um, I guess that's one of the things, one of my worries about the direction of of Star Wars is that they're going to go back to... So this, what's the, what's the new, the new franchise that they just delayed that you mentioned at the beginning? I can't remember what it was called. The new, the high like, old, old Republic thing. The, the high, Republic. the high Republic. Um, I have, I have some misgivings about that in part because Star Wars ought to be the fringes of the galaxy and a little bit grimy. Um, mm-hmm. And, and going back to you know the height of the Jedi power and the the height of the Republic's power seems kind of it just doesn't it doesn't feel the way that I want Star Wars to be um, and maybe this is one of the reasons like I think the Mandalorian is a better direction but but be that as it may like the the post Rise of Skywalker seems like a more fruitful place for storytelling, storytelling. because we can have that complicated relationship to building institutions. Um, and it also it also brings up like one of the really interesting things I've found about Star Wars over the years and recently is how how much it critiques governing institutions mm-hmm. and presents like almost all of them as failures. Yeah, like we I, get I, that with um, I mean, we obviously get that with the fall of the Republic and we get that with the, the collapse of the Empire, um, but also the New Republic, we don't. We don't get told much about the New Republic in the new movies. Like one of my, you know, one of the things that I kind of wish the new movies had was a bit more world building. Um, so we don't we mm-hmm. don't know what the political scene looks like. But the New Republic seems to have been largely a failure. I mean, no one's no one's willing to rally to its defense as it's being wiped out by the First Order. Um, and then you get you get weird little things too. Of is it in? Um, which one of the recent shows um was it rebels i can't no it was mandalorian in mandalorian there's the 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 episode where they um bust the people out of the prison ship and at the end of that oh, episode yeah. it ends with the the new republic just murdering a bunch of people like blowing up a space station <laughs> because a beeping device on it told them to um, like they're they're like a tyrannical regime, and and I like like that that moving forward. I mean, maybe this is just kind of my you know personal political philosophy wanting to see played out in the stories, but um, but I would love to see Star Wars move forward into exploring like the galaxy post recognition of the failure of these institutions. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to mention earlier about the political complexity that Star Wars has always had. And I think you see it in both the new canon and the old Legends canon is um, the idea of power vacuums. So I think you've read more of Legends than I have. But um, after uh, the original trilogy in the Legends canon, like you have this power vacuum and you have like, you know, warlords who come in to try to fill it. And that's an interesting story. That's that's, you know, that's life. That's that's how actual history works. Yeah, I think this, but this somewhat, this brings me to one of my, one thing, because you've read, you've read a lot more of the new canon stuff. Like you've, I guess, consumed more of the novels than I have um, and, and the comic books. Um, As I think I said, when we were talking about this episode 
as we were planning it, like I had, I kind of had stopped reading. I had read all of the new canon novels up until like the release of Last Jedi, and then stopped. And I think I'd read all the and comic books. Um, and, but one of the things that I've noticed is the stories. So the stories that you're asking them to tell, the kind of political, um, and you know, less like more gray stories, are are more grown up stories. And one of my one of my frustrations with a lot of the new media, and this doesn't apply to the movies. The movies don't feel this way, and it doesn't really even apply to the TV shows. But it much more applies to the comics and the novels. Is they all they all have like a YA ness. Mm-hmm. to them. Um, yeah, and in fact, all. a lot of them are written by YA authors. Uh, and and it, the, the, the stories they end up telling feel very YA. Um, and, and as a result, the politics, like I remember being really surprised at how, was it Bloodline? The one about Leia being, getting found out as Vader's daughter. Um, felt like it was written by, it was a lot of politics. Um, and a lot of complicated politics, but it felt like it was written by someone who didn't know a lot about politics. Um, And, and so I just, I worry about, you know, trying to tell those kinds of stories or the possibility of telling those kinds of stories when you're also trying to, I guess, approach it in a YA direction. Um, Am I, or am I being unfair? I, I'm not sure. I didn't read that one, but I, I do think that that's a problem. And I think it's, I think it's complicated to do what um, the Star Wars, you know, creative team or whatever they're called are trying to do by making the, like they make young adult novels and those are also canon. And I think it's weird to, um, to mix that, to mix like very adult novels and very adult films with kind of kid stuff. And, and make it all part of the same thing. It's like it's like one thing to have a canon that is adult and then have young adult novels or, or kids' books that are derivative but not canon, but that doesn't seem to be what they're doing. Yeah, the yeah, canon thing is has been an interesting... It's been an interesting move on their part because it's led to... So, like, the, the Palpatine coming out of nowhere thing that, you know, a lot of people felt about... Um, about Rise of Skywalker and and the the explanations of where where the First Order came from and all of that, like the movies don't tell us anything, but all of that, or at least strong hints about it, or the laying of the groundwork for it, are, I mean, they're in the novels. Like mm-hmm. the Aftermath series sets that all up, which came out, you know, I mean, the first Aftermath I think came out before the Force Awakens did, um. And and so yeah, this I mean this problem of canon of on the one hand as you've described it, you've got the 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 divi- divergent tones of trying to do YA and even like junior reader stuff mm-hmm. and yes. have it all be canon. Um, but on the other hand, it also it's spreading the story everywhere, and so the hints of like well you know like Rogue One is a lot better if you've read the prequel novel to Rogue One. Like a lot of the relationships and what happens makes a lot more sense. Okay. But I haven't read that. That's, uh, that's interesting. It's, it's very good because it's, it's the story of um, Krennic and Galen Erso's relationship. Mm. And so that, that setup of how he ended up working on the Death Star and 
how he turned against the project is all of that book. And so going into the movie with that knowledge, you get you get their relationship and you get why Krennic is as scary as he is and so on. Um, but you shouldn't have to do that to appreciate the movie. It, but it so it feels like there's this tension of you got to make these books interesting by putting some sort of lore building into them. But then if you put lore building into them that the movies have to build off of, then you're hiding a lot of the lore building from the overwhelming majority of people who are only going to watch the movies. And yeah. I'm not sure how you solve that problem, how you square that circle if you're going to be committed to everything being canon. Yeah, that's a that's a tough nut to crack. I'm not sure that they're going to satisfy everyone all the time. It does seem do you do you agree like it feels like since Disney took over the stuff they've done with TV's been better than the stuff they've done with movies? I I agree with that. I have been very impressed with both the Clone Wars and the Rebels cartoons. Um, my only complaint with the cartoons is that for an adult watching them, it's a little frustrating because you have a lot of kind of like throwaway episodes and entire arcs that mm-hmm. are kind of throwaway. Like they're silly kind of Disney type characters that you just, you just really don't want to see, but you kind of grin and bear it through the episode to get to the, to the good stuff later on. Is that a new move though? I mean, I guess both of us obviously got into star Wars as kids and, and we, you can go back and you can watch these movies as an adult, but a lot of your appreciation for them is bound up in the nostalgia of them are we being is disney carrying forward kind of the the tone and i guess level that star wars was always pitched at but now that we're just we're grown-ups we kind of like wish that star wars would have aged with us i think that is something um and that reminds me of another thing that i've i've noticed is um i've listened to the occasional uh, star wars podcast and the way that we feel about the, the the original trilogy is the way that younger Star Wars fans feel about the prequels. Um, so I I have uh, listened to um, Women of the Wills, uh, a Star Wars uh, podcast, uh, you know, hosted by a, a panel of uh, female Star Wars fans, and um, they're all younger than than we are by about ten years or so, and so they they love the prequels. Like that's what they grew up with. And so they, you know, <laughs> I think their feelings are hurt when people, you know, neg on the, uh, on the prequels so much. So everyone is going to have different nostalgia and it'll be really interesting to see what all of these conflicting nostalgias look like in another 10, 15 years. It seems like, well, first I, I have heard that too. And I have encountered young people who insist that the prequels are the best or the weirdest the weirdest one was i came across someone who was upset that they brought back frank oz to do the voice of yoda when he appeared in <laughs> rebels because that's not the voice of yoda from this person's childhood it was oh. the voice of yoda from like clone wars which which was kind of shocking and maybe you know it was like just this disturbing reminder of exactly what you're talking about yeah um but and and part of me says like well but obviously like the original trilogy is just worlds better than the prequels like there's no like you can you can have all the nostalgia in the world but you have to recognize that the prequels are 
largely unwatchable movies. Um, but 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 I think that you know we can we can accept that people can be into what they're into. But it does seem like a solution to that, and one that Disney seems to be gesturing to, is to take Star Wars away from being a series of movies and turn it into this media franchise where you can explore all the different tones and all the different eras and all the different storytelling styles. And so we can get something like Rebels and we can get something like The Mandalorian um, or whatever that last Star Wars Resistance, was that the the last cartoon that they did, which was very much for kids? Um, and you can do that because you have all of these different storytelling outlets. Yeah, and I, I really like that approach. I really have nothing bad to say about that approach other other than like the problems of, of potential, you know, coherence issues. I wonder if the coherence issues will just like Disney will kind of forget that they said it was all canon <laughs> in the same way that like technically, you know, the however many decades of X-Men comics we've had are all in the same canon. Right. Oh, but, right. but no one really believes it. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, the I think just in the in the same way that writing uh, poetry in meter and in rhyme like forces you to be more creative in a way, I think being bound by like the canonical precedents um, can lead to some some really creative storytelling. Um, you know, like I, I like you mentioned that a little bit with um, how reintroducing Darth Sidious, uh, Emperor Palpatine and, and Rise of Skywalker, like it solved certain problems from The Force Awakens that um, even though it introduced others. Yeah, I mean, I I think another I mean, another way you could handle it is Star Wars is a very big universe mm -hmm. and you can tell smaller stories you know, so not every story you need to tell needs to reshape the structure of the galaxy. And and then you can have, I guess you could have your canon cake and eat it too, because the smaller the story, the less it needs to be bound by anything else that has already happened, because you've got your own little corner of the universe to tell it in. Um, but you can you can still say, you know, the big stuff, the big stuff is all consistent. Yeah. Um, and that reminds me, uh, there have been rumors for a couple of years now about um, a Knights of the Old Republic uh, movie or or possibly another trilogy. Uh, did you ever play those games? Are you familiar with that with that storyline? I am. I'm familiar with the storyline largely through osmosis. I um, I played. I think I probably played the first half or two thirds of the first Knights of the Old Republic. Um, and then I believe my save file got lost <laughs> and I just didn't have it in me to, to start all over again. Um, but, but kind of, I know, I know the overall arcs just from being, you know, in Star Wars, Wars lore, lore for as long as I have. Right. Well, they're quite good. And um, that's, that strikes me as a possibility of, of telling a very good story um, in a different, in a different uh, time uh, era, um, and it has no impact at all, no relation whatsoever to the Skywalker saga. So it's going to, you know, allow other people to enjoy Star Wars in a completely 
new way that doesn't take anything away from the the people who grew up with and loved the Skywalker saga. What did you think of Mandalorian? I'm a big fan of it. Um, I it's I think it's really well done. I like the character. Um, Baby Yoda is adorable. Um, although I would like to have like a species name or something uh, so that we don't have to call him Baby Yoda. Um, I think Mandalorians as a, as a civilization, as a society, are, are really interesting. Um, and I, I think it's interesting to see the way that the story is going um, with uh, the, the final scenes. Like you, you saw the whole thing, right? Yes. Yeah, so with the, uh, I think it's called the Darksaber, which is like a lightsaber that has belonged to the, the Mandalorian you know, ruling clan since, since whenever. Um, and that's going to, uh, I think bring in, um, it's going to connect, uh, with, uh, some of the characters from the rebels cartoon, um, like Ahsoka has been, uh, apparently she's going to be a, a live action role. She's supposed to be in the second season of the Mandalorian and, um, there's a Mandalorian, um, like, artist i'm trying to think of her name sabine i think or no sabine. Yes. Oh, is it sabine okay um and she's she was a great character from rebels and so i think uh with the with the dark saber i think we'll get into a little bit more um like old mandalorian stuff from uh from before the uh the events of of episode six that would be it would be a real treat if they brought back Sabine, who I guess at the end of Rebels kind of ended up having a pretty high leadership position on Mandalore, if I remember correctly. The the very last thing that we see in the Rebels, I think, is uh, Sabine leaves with Ahsoka to go oh, to, that's the, right. to the outer regions to look for Ezra. That's right. Um, so she had she had taken on because there's a whole there was a whole arc of her going back and her family on Mandalore. But you're right, right she that's took right. off. Uh, but she was Sabine is was the first Star Wars character that my older daughter really fell in love with. Oh, um, and and in fact, like we, when she was, she would have been maybe six, maybe seven. We like home scratch built a Sabine Halloween costume. Like we got like a red bucket and cut a Mandalorian like face mask out of it and built took pads from something and spray painted them to look like Mandalorian armor. And I think that still is stuffed up in the attic somewhere. And she wore it to a, um, to awesome con, which is the big sci-fi convention in DC each year. Oh, that's really and cool. Got a lot of attention for her, you know, posed with the, the Mandalorian cosplayers and whatnot. And she yeah. was always super into Sabine. So that would be, that would be fun to see her make a return just for that. Um, and, and I do think, I mean, Rebels is outside of, I think, Rogue One, Rebels is my favorite of the Star Wars that Disney has done since they took over. Um, I mean, it has, it has, yeah, the problems that you you raised about it being a kid show. And so there are the throwaway episodes and there is the silliness. Um, but the story that it told and the arc of the characters, um, I found to be just tremendously satisfying yeah 
and and really smart and and you've you've talked a lot on on Twitter about the um the episode with Darth Maul and and Obi-Wan um but the, the poignancy of its storytelling was i mean was really high too especially for for a kid show yeah it's impressive um i mean really just everything about that show like Ezra starts out as this really annoying kid um and he is just manipulated by Maul you know from uh, like throughout all of, of season three, he's just kind of manipulated by Maul um, and he makes so many mistakes, but then you see him really bloom in episode in, in uh, season four. Um, that's really satisfying. Uh, the, the idea of Kanan, I thought he was a really well done character too, because he's the Jedi mentor, but he's the Jedi mentor that doesn't really know what he's doing because he was actually mm-hmm. Padawan uh, when Order 66 happened and his master was was killed. Um, but he grows. And the fact that he's, you know, when he was blinded at the end of, ep- of uh, season two, I just assumed that, you know, like he was wounded and he was going to get better. But no, he's blind for the rest of his, spoiler, you know, for the rest of his life. Because uh, he, he dies later on in a, in a really poignant episode, like a really well done mm-hmm. episode. Um, Ahsoka really comes into, into, uh, flower there. Um, you know, we knew Ahsoka from the Clone Wars cartoons and when Rebels, uh, was run, I think there were only five seasons of, of Clone Wars. And so, you know, Ahsoka was cool, but in Rebels, she is a badass. She is a, a just a, a host unto herself. Like you see her go toe to toe with, with, uh, with Vader and just, her confrontation with Vader is just really powerful. I think. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I mean, Rebels is great. I I like Vader a lot in Rebels. Um, I like that it's the Rebels is the first time that we see Vader as terrifying pilot. <laughs> yeah, and we get we get a little bit of him of Anakin as good pilot in the prequels, but he still is like nominally the good guy at that point. But that that first is it the first episode with Vader in it where he just basically takes down the whole rebel convoy yeah with his one tie fighter is like the first time that you really get like this is why they've all been terrified of him yeah cuz he's kind of dumpy in the in the original trilogy um and his piloting skill in new hope doesn't doesn't amount to much yeah that's that's interesting that's one thing that i think the cartoons have really done well is when you watch the original trilogy, you like Obi-Wan's duel with Darth Vader is really kind of a letdown. Like nobody is actually impressed with the choreography. Um, and, you know, you, you know that you're supposed to think that Darth Vader is like super terrifying, but you kind of just take it on, you know, the more or less like the word of the director, right? Like they tell you to think mm-hmm. that Darth Vader is super terrifying and the cartoons, I think both Clone Wars and um, Rebels, really kind of fill in a little bit of detail there. Um, they they make Anakin um, more interesting. They they show you show you he's a good guy, like and that's good. And they show you the uh, camaraderie, the brotherhood of of Obi Wan and Anakin. 
they, uh, which you, you just have to kind of take on faith in in um, in both the original trilogy and the prequels because the prequels kind of just like skip all over that. They go straight from the very beginning of the war, episode two to like the very finishing of the Clone Wars in episode. Three. Um, and then like you get a lot more uh, depth of character who is is a really amazing character in uh in the clone wars cartoon uh so yeah i think it really does a good job of filling in in those details rebels is also where it starts to explore the um the great jedi stuff yeah um, teeing, teeing things up for rise of skywalker because we get what's the name of that big creature that they meet out in the desert yeah i know the one you're talking about um I, it's it's escaping me though but and it's the, the bindu is that what yeah that's right is that his name is okay um uh, yeah like and that's that's clearly like a setting up the gray jedi and he's pretty he's pretty explicit about you know forging a different path that's mm-hmm. not light or dark um and and part of me wishes there'd been slightly more of an explicit pay off for that in rise of skywalker um but but it does it does establish and i think it does it it's a good example of two what the the cartoons um mandalorian hasn't quite done it much yet but i think as it goes on it will but they they build out the characters as you said so they you know anakin and obi-wan and darth maul and vader are are richer for the cartoons than they were in the you know in the movies but it also it also builds out the universe it fills mm-hmm. in they fill in all of those details and and i mean the world building in rebels i think is is really good like the stuff that it adds to the universe is is really interesting and obviously the clone wars show is where you know a huge portion of the world building comes from um and then the movies can just pick up and run with that yeah yeah, they're a great they're a great sandbox, the uh the shows. And and hopefully Mandalorian I mean it's been a very it's been a very small story until like basically that final episode. Um and I confess when I was maybe four episodes into it, I was a little bit worried about it because I couldn't tell what it was about. Um it, it seemed to take a while to establish itself, but but that too seems to have a a lot of interesting potential to fill in to fill in those details and but that's always that's also always kind of been something that Star Wars has done which is that we tend to like Star Wars fans think of the Star Wars universe as this like big thing that you can know a ton about um but a lot of that just comes in from you know we've got we've got these movies and then a bunch of Star Wars nerds who get handed TV shows and novels and comic books get to nerd out on <laughs> filling in all the gaps that right. and the many, many gaps that are in the movies. Um, and this goes back to the very beginning of our conversation um, with uh, kind of the, the holes or whatever um, in the sequel trilogy. Um, the Mandalorian show is set I think a couple of years, like a few years after the events of uh, Return of the Jedi. So presumably, if if the show goes on for another couple seasons, we're 
probably going to see a lot of the things that leave us dissatisfied about the sequel trilogy be filled in in really interesting ways, just the same way that we um, we got like Obi-Wan and Anakin filled in in interesting ways with the uh, the cartoons. Did you play, um, is it Battlefront 2? Star Wars Battlefront 2's like single player campaign? No, I... I very rarely play video games. So Knights of the Old Republic is is almost like one of the only video games I've ever played like that and, and Diablo pretty much. That one is that one fits that same sort of bill um because it it starts with like the character that you play in it is a woman who is like a special forces for the empire for the empire and is at the Battle of Endor. Mm. And she's on she's in the ground forces. And so, you know, the, I think the first the first segment of that campaign is you're running around on Endor shooting up rebels. Uh, and then it's the story of her, you know, as the Empire is defeated, her eventually leaving the remnant of the Empire, joining the rebellion. Um, her father is a admiral or someone he's in command of a Star Destroyer, at least in in the Imperial Remnant. And then it takes you all the way through um to you get to actually play the battle of Jakku and you know fly around in in your ships fighting as ships are crashing into the surface of the planet um and that's another one where it fills in a lot of those details and and i think that i probably the the sequel trilogy made more sense as i had played that because like oh that's you know that's why the star destroyers are crashed that's how they got there on you know at the beginning of force awakens um, but the fact that like, we're having this conversation and I'm like, well, did you, you know, you're like, well, I got, I got some details from this thing. And I'm like, well, did you get these details <laughs> from this thing is kind of exposes, I think a potential problem as we, we already mentioned in like Disney's Disney's approach to this, because like, I shouldn't have had to play a video game to know just like who the sides were. Right. Yeah. That's a really good, really good point. Now that we've now that we've seen all of these movies, and we can look back, we can look back on all of them, and I think both of us have probably seen you know all nine of them many times by now. Um, how do we how do we rank them? <laughs> the the age old question. The age old question, yes, and we'll we'll stick to we'll stick to just the the nine core sequence movies because otherwise like I'm, I'm I am one of those people who thinks like rogue one is probably the second best star Wars movie of any of them. I'm a big fan of rogue one. Um, I'm actually, I'm kind of appalled at how like, like the critical reception to it was not great. It's like rotten tomatoes and it's Metacritic scores are not fantastic. And they're much, they're much lower than the force awakens. Um, and it was, you know, Disney Disney killed off their one-off movies. They were starting to kill it off because that one didn't perform as well as they wanted. And then Solo was the the knife in that plan. Um, but but it is interesting that I mean, Rogue One and I I liked Solo a lot. Uh, it's not it's not like it's not a fantastic. You know, it's not like it's not a deeply rich movie. But it was like exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, and and so it's. I, I think that like if we include those two, then a lot of the original movies get shoved down the rankings some. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. 
and quick comment on Solo. I think it's, I, I feel bad about Solo because I never watched it in the theater because I was so turned off by the trailers. Like, they actively discouraged me from going to see the movie. It looked so bad. And I don't know who was in charge of that, but they just made a tremendous error um, because it turned out to be like a wonderful movie. Yeah, I don't know that I ever saw a trailer for it because I I was so turned off by The Last Jedi mm-hmm. that it it basically killed my interest in Star Wars for quite a long time. Like that's when I stopped reading the books and the comic books and staying on top of things. And so I genuinely forgot that Solo was coming out and then kind of was like, oh, there's, you know, there's this new Star Wars movie in the theaters. I might as well go see it. And so I don't think I had the trailers tainting mm-hmm. my my view of it going in. Um, and and yeah, I found it. It's it's a light movie. Um, it's a you know just adventure story, which fits because Han Solo is not the kind of character, especially young Han Solo, who's going to have like you know a deep and philosophical film. Um, and but it did it did what I wanted, and the you know the. Millennium Falcon having the soul of a libertarian droid is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I thought it was it was an un, it's definitely an underrated movie. Yep. Um, but okay, but now back to to ranking these things. Um, I I'm going to assume that our number ones are the same. No. Really? I yeah. This is what causes me to get canceled on the internet all the time um i really think that return of the jedi is is number one because of so because of its conclusion because of the conclusion and and that's another point about star wars and the star wars movies is sometimes i think it's more helpful to to think of characters and moments and scenes Mm -hmm. instead of uh, instead of movies as a whole, and that makes you appreciate the prequels a lot more if you're able to kind of compartmentalize things a little bit better. But um, yeah, I, so I, I would rank uh, Return of the Jedi and then Empire Strikes Back. And I know everyone says Empire Strikes Back is the better one. I think of them as really two parts of one film. And I think Return of the Jedi has to come out on top because all of the philosophy of Star Wars, like, the theme of Star Wars is all in the throne room. The the scene with Luke Skywalker, you know, throwing away his lightsaber and and saying like, like refusing to strike down the Emperor and saying no, I'm a, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Um, I think that's just everything, and I think the rest of Star Wars like thematically revolves around that scene. And it's the reason why I, I also rank uh, episode three pretty highly is just because of the mirror scene where Anakin makes the wrong decision. He, he's, he's confronted with the exact same situation or you know analogous situation, and he does the wrong thing. And it makes you appreciate uh, episode six more. Um, but yeah, um, that's, so that's why I rank it the highest. I can, I can potentially be on board with that i think it's for me if i look at them as complete movies um then return of the jedi has some kind of weird storytelling um that 
you know, it's it's in it's in like these parts that seem to just like feel like they're in entirely different movies That's true. to a great extent. Um, I, the space battle is fantastic. Um, I, I probably still rank empire strikes back higher because of, if we're going to the moments because of like the things that like Yoda and the battle of Hoth, which is, you know, the best battle scene ever put to film. Um, <laughs> And and so like, but but I guess when when I try to think about these rankings, and every time a new movie comes out, everyone is required to go on Twitter and list <laughs> their okay. updated rankings. And I don't know that I sometimes when I've done that, I just put as number one the, the original, original trilogy, trilogy. Mm-hmm. because I feel like I can't I can't meaningfully rank them against each other in any comprehensive way. In part because I grew up with them. Like I think I think. Return of the Jedi was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Oh, wow. Um, I think I, I would have been four, and I have, like, memories of that. But um, but it's hard for me. It's hard to look... For, it's hard for me to objectively look at those movies. You know, like, they're so... Because I, I have, like, all of the lines memorized. And, you know, like, you just can't... Um, and and there's also part of me, too, that says, like, A New Hope. If you ask me, like, like which star, which movie have I seen the most number of times, and which one, if I'm in the mood for Star Wars, am I most likely to turn on? It's going to be A New Hope, um, because it's so, it's so iconic, and of all the movies, it's like you know a perfect little story. Yeah, with you know, it's got a beginning, middle, and end, and it's the arc is good, and the pacing is probably the best of any of them. Um, so I don't know. So I probably still would go empire new hope return of the jedi but it's like it's so close that it's almost like just what my mood is each day yeah um i so i'm not really actually prepared to do a full ranking um and i know i was actually given homework before the uh before this to to have a ranking ready and i've ranked them before right but um i think just like commentary on on which ones are overrated and which ones are, are yeah, yeah no that sounds good to me and, and like good to me I think I like I love episode four, but I think I think a lot of people probably like if there had never been an Empire Strikes Back or a Return of the Jedi, I'm not sure that we would still be thinking about A New Hope, which would, of course, then only be Star Wars. Um, Like, it's a good movie. It's a great movie, but it doesn't have any of the mythology or any of, yeah. of like the just like there's <laughs> there's no uh, throne scene you know there's no like Luke I am your father um, so I, I I think that that, that one is overrated um, I think uh, Revenge of the Sith is underrated and maybe it's just because it's so easy to think of Revenge of the Sith in comparison to the uh, other two prequel movies which have a lot of problems um, but Revenge of the Sith I think like it shows it shows Anakin's uh turn to to Darth Vader uh in a pretty good way and it's action packed um and you you see the destruction of the Jedi you see like Anakin like truly become evil you know he kills the younglings and um and just like at the very beginning of the film it starts off with with such a bang and like like Dooku, who was such a such an 
a powerful villain in uh, in episode two like like anakin just dispatches him like you you like already see so much growth in anakin um and i think uh the like the acting is a lot better and the writing is a lot better um and like i mentioned before there is the uh the equivalent or the mirror of the throne room scene which i think just you know i think of all of star wars as kind of an axis uh uh, like rotating around an axis of episode six and episode three and, and, and those, those really pivotal moments of um, a mistake and then the, the redemption to come. I can, I guess my view on revenge of the Sith is when you describe it like that. So when you give me the, this is what happens in this movie I can appreciate the things that happen in the movie, but when I actually watch them play out, they are maybe not as poorly as like um, Attack of the Clones, which yeah. is easily the worst of the Star Wars movies. Yeah. And it's actually one that like I I cannot I can't sit through it. <laughs> um, I get I get bored and I get frustrated and um, but so it's not that bad, but the the this fil- the lack of filmmaking prowess in it i get disappointed like the the final confrontation between anakin and um and obi-wan ought to be really emotional mm-hmm. but it somehow ends up being less emotional than the confrontation in new hope between vader and obi-wan um and and there's just so much like it's you know it's overproduced the choreography feels like choreography the like you've lost because I have the high ground is just really silly. Um, and, and the acting and it's so it's like, it's like if someone, if someone wrote the novelization of that movie and could revise a lot of the dialogue, then I would buy what you're saying. But the actual movie itself, it's like a friend of mine once we came up with like, like, um, avant-garde art is art that's better in theory than in practice like mm-hmm. the idea of it is better than the actual art itself mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of how I feel about Revenge of the Sith is that the idea of it and the beats and the things like oh we, we're going to get to see this and that'll be awesome and we get the you know the mirror of the throne room but it goes the other direction that's awesome but the actual execution just really falls flat for me yeah I, I think that's entirely fair Um, and then I, I of course, am a partisan for The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. which I know you disagree with. Yeah, I'm not. Um, I think that there are, it's a frustrating movie because there are some really good things in it. But so much of it is like the entire, I guess it's the C plot of... Um, Finn heading off to the the casino planet. Yeah, Canto Bite. Like, yeah, it doesn't I mean that that nothing happens in that plot. Um, it has no impact on the rest of the story. It it feels like something out of the prequels. Um and so like it's a lot of it's a lot of wasted time that could have been put to unpacking the other stories. I think there's really interesting stuff with um uh, with Poe Dameron mm-hmm. and his his semi mutiny. But it's it's dependent upon this ridiculous, like, we can only both go at the same speed 
setup and could have been handled with a much better setup that, that would have had more payoff um, or at least not been as distracting. Mm-hmm. I, I find the, we can blow up ships by launching stuff into hyperspace to, I get that the star Wars canon is not perfect, but that's like such a departure from everything that we've seen before. Um, and, and had, if that worked the way it does in that movie would have radically changed almost everything that happened in the prior movies. Um, yeah. So, you know, they hyperspace torpedoes would be a thing. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a frustrating movie because like, there, I can see the seeds of what I think would have been a much better movie there, but there's so much that I just think was could have been planned better. Yeah, um, you know the the hyperspace thing that was. Uh, I think it's in the novelization, maybe both novelizations uh, of of Rise of Skywalker and the Last Jedi. Um, I read both of those, uh, where it kind of like it, it tries to not walk it back because you can't do that. But it, it does try to stress that like conditions have to be like perfect for this to ever mm-hmm. work. And in almost every uh, situation it's, it's, they're not going to be perfect and you're just going to like kill yourself or destroy a whole bunch of capital to, to no good use. So I, I think there's like a perfect distance window and like all this other stuff. Um, but you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's fair. Um, I, do like it. I, I like Canto Bite because um, it gets to the the idea of that sort of like radical critique of of, of um, the Republic um, that I talked about before with the the complex political ideas, um, which appear elsewhere in canon. Like if you read some of the books uh, and read between the lines in some of the movies, like you know the. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn was extremely unhappy with uh, slavery in the galaxy. Um, And like uh, Master and Apprentice has some really good, a really interesting scene of of him like having a conversation with Yoda. And like Yoda is saying like, you have to go do this thing because we're going to get this like uh, new hyperspace route, which is going to bring a lot of like commerce to the galaxy and it's going to help a lot of people. And Qui-Gon is like, but to do this, like, we have to kind of, like, turn our eye to this slave society on this planet that you're, you know, that is going to open this hyperspace loop. And I think, I think Canto Bight really kind of makes all of that really explicit. And, you know, because Rise of Skywalker didn't go the way that I wanted it to, we're just kind of left hanging there. Um, and and now it's, it is kind of a useless scene because there's no there's no crescendo in rise of Skywalker to, to take those themes on. But, um, yeah, uh, I liked the, the humiliation of Poe. I think a really good second movie of a trilogy, um, has the hero fall like really far in a really humiliating way. And Poe Dameron just, just made a colossal error that caused a lot of people to die unnecessarily and basically just like ruined the chances of the resistance. Um, and it's all his fault. And then like, he's, he's uh, rehabilitated pretty well, I think. Um, and, and so that's, that's, I think he has a great arc because of that. 
Yeah, I think, and, and the, I, that was the I did read prior to Skywalker Rise of Skywalker. There's the there's a prequel novel to that, um, and it has a little bit of his rehabilitation, and it felt it feels a bit fast. Like everyone seems a bit too willing to forgive him mm-hmm. for what yeah, he did, but. Um, but I do think I think you're right. Like that is that is an interesting that's an interesting arc, um, and it does tie into. We start to get more of that of, like, so like the Canto Bite stuff that you said, the critiques of the politics and the social justice of this universe. I mean, one of my one of the really striking moments in Rogue One is at the very beginning when. Um, God, no, I'm blanking on his name. The the rebel operative guy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Who they're making? Who they're making the TV series? Who they're making the TV yeah. series out of? Um, but he his contact, like the the Empire's found him, and he just executes his contact because he knows his contact is like not going to be able to keep up as he's trying to get away, and is a is a liability if he talks. Um, and and then the it that whole movie you start to get the hints of like the rebellion and as almost like as terrorist organization mm-hmm. um, that's willing to engage in you know at best like morally gray stuff mm-hmm. in order to fight back um and it it puts me in mind too of there's the the novel lost stars mm-hmm which is another I mean that's one is a is a YA novel and it's got a lot of YA-ness of teenagers in love but but it's the it's the story of the original trilogy and then all the way up to the battle of Jakku from the empire's perspective and and you get you get this interesting like like there's a moment in that when they're arguing about building a second death star and someone says I'm paraphrasing but they say like if we don't rebuild it the terrorists will have won. Oh, nice. Um, and which is, I mean, it's, it's a little heavy handed, like, but uh, a little on the nose, but it is this interesting, like reframing these things. And, and I think that fits in with the critiques, the social justice critiques that you're, you're raising. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that I have liked a lot about what Disney has been doing is I like that Disney is poking the, like, um, the anti-social justice warrior aspects of the fandom a bit. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's, that's good for star Wars. Like having female lead protagonists is great. Mm -hmm. Um, I say as like someone who, you know, like my daughters like the star Wars ones better where there's women. Yeah. As the central characters. And it's great that, you know, I can share star Wars with them in that way. Um, but that, I guess, in wokening a bit of Star Wars, I think is a, is an interesting direction. And it is one, and we get that with the, the droid rebellion in Solo. Um, it is one that I hope that they, they explore more because like you said, there are a lot of the, the original movies in particular, there are a lot of like really troubling moral and social issues that those movies don't seem to be aware of. Mm Mm-hmm. Like in the films, I'm not talking about like reading, you know, like trying to bake outside of that, like real world politics into this in, you know, in a ham fisted way. But like these movies raise really concerning stuff and then seem to not grapple with it. And it's really cool to see them increasingly grappling with that stuff head on. Yeah, I I, I love the direction that Disney 
as a whole has gone with that. Um, you know, like the MCU movies, the Marvel Universe movies, uh, they have been very political, extremely political um, in a direction that I, I like. Um, and despite our divergent politics, I think we probably both like that particular angle in a, in a, in the same way. And also the same with, uh, like the frozen movies and, um, like Moana just have just really interesting ideas, um, and representation that is, is really good. So I'm, I'm very happy with Disney as a whole for that. And I hope they keep it up. So on that note, as we're, we're closing in on time, um, are you optimistic about the next, say, five, ten years of Star Wars? Uh, I don't know that I have a choice. I mean, I just uh, I, I keep finding myself reading new Star Wars books, so <laughs> it's a bit of an addiction. Uh, but I think that I think there will be ups and downs, um, and I'm really excited about the idea one day of uh, a Knights of the Old Republic film. I'm interested in the High Republic. Um, I'm not sure that I'm hopeful, but I will definitely give it a try. Um, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the next season of The Mandalorian. So, yeah, I think there's still good... Star Wars to be made. If you enjoyed this conversation or any of the conversations I've had on this podcast and want to hear more from me, take a moment to sign up for my very infrequent newsletter where I talk about what I'm working on, reading, and thinking about. You can find it at AaronRossPowell.com or follow the link in the show notes.